Hello again and welcome to Crime and Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, my friend Ben Rupel. You like opening that 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 seven up right at that time, don't you? I You've try. Not more than once. I like to let people know that that's the start of a party. I, I'm actually having something that's as close to seven up as I think it, it gets. What do you got, Ben? It's a Zima. I'm drinking a Zima. Ben's drinking a Zima. I found and he, a Zima in Brian's fridge. We got a bunch of them in the beer fridge down here, but I didn't have any Jolly Ranchers for him, so I, I put a mint in it. Just a straight Zima with a mint chaser. Yeah. Every other Wednesday, we bring you a true crime podcast about Zima and beers and uh, crime and music. Musicians who've gone off the rails, committed crimes, and we like to talk about them and share their fun stories. If you like that sort of thing, share with a friend, for real. Take an episode and just send it to them or send them to our Spotify or our Stitcher or something like that and go, these guys are kind of funny, check them out. Yeah, spread the word, make it big. That's what she said. (laughs) Are you ready for another amazing week, <laughs> another amazing story of crazy music stardom and, and fame gone wrong? I am. I, um, I'm i excited. I, I'm actually pretty excited because it only took Brian an hour and a half to get the computer going this morning. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we almost switched back yeah. to the laptop. It was, a str- it, was a, it was a long ride on the struggle bus. But we got there. It's looking good. All the little bars are doing things on the computer screen. So hopefully we'll have l- low-end technical issues today. It's it, it's funny, but honestly, we'll get back to that because it kind of all ties into what we're talking about today. You're saying the the the, the person that we're going to talk about today had an effect on the hard drive of your computer today? It's completely possible, Ben. The ghost in the machine? It's completely possible. Right. Oh, we'll get there. You ready for another I, episode? I don't, well, y- you told me who I think a couple weeks ago who you were thinking about doing. But yes. then you then you said you're gonna scrap them. I bailed on that. I have a whole new timeline for. The but I don't remember fall. anything, so, so it's all new. It's all new to me. I don't know who this is today. You seem like the type of guy who's got your phone with you all the time. Like you're connected, you're plugged into what's going on and what's happening. Yeah, I like to have my phone with me all the Why time. Why does it take you four days to respond to my text? It's, I don't really like you that much. Oh my no, god! What, what are you talking about? <laughs> I will send you texts like, "Hey man, we gotta reschedule this, that, the other," and then two days later, I'll get. A thing back from you. It's like, hey, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'm like, bro, I was making, I was filling out the calendar you, then. You, you know, I've told you, Brian, on multiple occasions. Yeah. If you call me or text me, you know I heard or saw that. Oh, I know. Immediately, instantly. I'm not. Other people, Brian, I tell. Oh, I must have missed it. No, I, you know I've seen. You're it. just ignoring I've me. Seen it. I know. I. All right, whatever. Sometimes I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> you should see the look, people. <laughs> well, sometimes I don't have an answer for you. That's All right. fine. All right. Let's uh, get to it. Here. I need an answer from you because right now we're going to get into Guess the Guest. If you know this game, every week I, well, for the last couple of weeks now, I tell Ben a couple of clues and he tries to guess the guest because as involved as he is and his title is co-host, he does not know what's going to happen here when and we sit down to record. Clue. A raging clue. A raging clue. All right, guess the guest. What? What? what where am I at now? Where's our little st- sticky? Oh, note? it's uh, Ben is somewhere here in the averages. Eight. Let's pull up the file. Eight and eight. You are at five hundred. Last clock. Woo! All right. That's a good swing, man. It's a good swing. I, I, I have a feeling that there's gonna be there. I got a loss coming up here. I've been on a roll, but let's see what we got, Brian. I'm gonna bet you lose right now. <laughs> All right. Let's start out with the first question. As you Brian, like. Do I know who this is? Hey, Ben. Have you ever heard of Don Glenn Vliet? No. Don Vliet. No. A.K.A. Don Van Vliet. Not like Greta Van Van Vliet. 
No. You know, I wonder if that's related. That did not occur to me. No, I, I, I know Van Vliet Road. All right. We grew, we grew up down by that thing. Um, Don Vliet. One of, one of Zappa's friends. One of Zappa's buddies. Oh, I know Frank Zappa. You do Don know Frank Zappa. Okay. Vliet. No. No. Don Vliet. Um, he was never in the military, but he holds a uh, military rank. Captain Cody? <gasps> well, you got the and, first uh, part right. You got and the first uh, part right. Lost uh, Langoliers. Well, it's Captain. That's what you got right there. Captain Kangaroo? No, was he a musician? I guess he was. He did sing songs. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Captain. You got 15 seconds. I... All right. Um, it's the second part. I'll do, we'll do like clue words and stuff. The second part is uh, a type of. Uh, uh, meat they sell at the butcher, but it's kind of considered a poor cut, and a lot of people wouldn't eat it. Hard, hard to make. Captain Brisket. Captain Beefheart. Captain Beefheart. You ever heard of Captain Beefheart? Uh, let's go with maybe on that. Yep, uh, it yeah. seems like it. Captain, Captain Beefheart. Beefheart. Born January fifteenth, nineteen forty-one. Don Glenn Vleet in Glendale, California. He's got parents Glenn Alonzo Vleet and Willie Sue Warfield. I got so many questions. I'm gonna wait though. I hate it when I don't know something. I want to ask questions, and Brian's got a stack of cards. So I just let Brian do his thing. I'm, I'm gonna sit you back sure? and enjoy and listen. Sure, you don't want to ask questions? I well, I know you're gonna cover all this stuff. All right. I, like I just want to know who he is now and what right. songs he's sung. Yes, we'll get there. I'm sure we'll get there. I'll just sit here with my refreshing Zima, and then let you do your thing. Captain Beefheart Don Vliet uh, was born in Glendale, California, as we said, and uh, we don't usually do this to the end, but we have a quote from Don about his birth. Quote, I was born with my eyes open. I didn't want to be born. I can remember deep down in my head that I fought against my mother bringing me into this world. I remember when that jerk slapped me on the fanny and I saw the yellow tile and I thought, what a hell of a way to wake somebody up. So Don remembers his own birth. <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> I just figured that was a good way to start this. Like, oh, okay, the first thing you remember is your birth, so we'll start there. I don't think they slap babies on their butts anymore. Uh, it's probably assault. You need consent. No. Me I, too. I, I don't think. I think they just shove a tube down their throat and suck out the fluid. They do that slapping on the butt to get them to cry to, like. Oh, yeah. Get uh, the amniotic get, fluid get out of your that, face and stuff. That, yeah. Cause right. you're, so now they just, you know, they have a thing. They just suck it out like a big uh, sucker out or dealio. Well, Glenn Alonzo and Willie Sue did not have a sucker out dealio. They were back in the in the 40s where Glenn was a service station owner from Kansas. These are his parents? Yep, that's okay. his dad. And he had he had that Dutch ancestry again, the Vleets. There's so they had the, a very nice yard. They, they, very well maintained, according to Ben. Yes. And then Willie Sue was from Arkansas. <laughs> that's Arkansas, Brian. Arkansas, I apologize. It is claimed that they are related to Peter Van Vliet, Dutch painter, who knew Rembrandt. Well, that's I, good. I know him. I know him. I know him, too. Adventurer and author Richard Halliburton, not the weapons company. Oh, I just started watching that Dick Cheney movie last night. Well, I don't know if he's half as impressive as Richard, who swam the Panama Canal, and he's paid the lowest toll in history. Who did that? Richard Halliburton. Guess how much he paid in 1928 to swim the Panama Se Canal? Seven cents. 36 cents. He got ripped off. Which in today's money is about $5.23. Oh, I've heard that story. There you go. Yeah, they, they do it by tonnage. <laughs> right. Well, right. Uh, Richard died trying to sail the uh, Chinese junk, like those boats. Yeah, the, the sea dragon from yeah. Hong Kong to San Francisco. That's how he died? That's how he died. And that was his dad? 
That was his uh, ancestor. Ancestor. That was Don's ancestor. So right. Don's from kind of a uh, intri- uh, what what's that word? Uh, Eclectic group of yeah, Dutchmen. Yeah, exactly. Right. Crazy Dutchmen. <laughs> Uh, finally, it's claimed that the Vleets are related to cowboy actor Slim Pickens. Oh, Slim Pickens. All AKA right. Dr. Strangelove in Blazing Saddles. Oh, really? And before yeah. that, he was Major TJ King Kong in Stanley Kubrick's movie Dr. Strangelove. Okay. He's the guy who rides the H-bomb. Yee-hoo! You oh, ever seen that old yeah. black and white footage of a guy riding a bomb with a cowboy hat? Yeah, dropping, getting dropped the angle uh, out of the angle of May You or got it. Something. Yep, yep. Good job. Ben knows his uh, his old movies. His his his, his not, bombs. I don't think that was even right, but let's just <laughs> pretend right. it was. So basically, Don's claiming he's got an eclectic family. That's that, like you said, that's the word there. Bunch so of fucking weirdos. Bunch of goddamn Dutch weirdos. <laughs> Go home, Dutchy. Don begins painting and sculpting at the age of three. He's obsessed with animals and dinosaurs and fish, and he's three. He likes things. Yeah, every three-year-old three is got Play-Doh and some finger paints. Right. Uh, at the age of nine, Don won a children's sculpting competition held by the L.A. Zoo. He he won a competition. I won a competition when I was like nine for coloring a bunny rabbit. Nice. Yeah. There you go. So, I mean, we could cite that if I ever went on to do anything bigger. I think you picked up on Don's life pretty quick here, man. <laughs> He's just an average <laughs> kid. He's just a dude who gets a funny name assigned to him by okay. Frank Zappa. We'll get there. During the 1950s, Don was an apprentice to Agostino Rodriguez. Was that the he's guy a, that mowed the lawns? He's a local. He's a local art tutor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tutor. So. Age eleven, Don allegedly gives a lecture at Barndale Art Institute in L.A. Barndale? Yeah, that's what it's called. Barn Barndale. What he gave a lecture? Uh, yes. Why? He's not a. He's not a person of note. What well, he's been sculpting since he was three. Well, like, so. And he won an award. <laughs> it's a very major award, I'm sure. Now, uh, Don also had, he was sculpting weekly at this age on a local television show. So he'd be have a little art show, and he's like, hi, I'm Don, and today we're going to make a brontosaurus. So like Bob Ross, but a kid? Yep. Hmm, all right. Don said his parents discouraged his interest in art because they thought artists were queer. Yeah, and poor. <laughs> I mean, they are. That's true. But until they die, and then they become popular, and then the stuff gets worth something, but. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, they turned down several scholarship offers for him. The, he had like this one scholarship offer where they were going to give him six years paid to travel around Europe and study marble sculpting. And his dad was like, that's gay. You can't do that. Hey, there's some company right now that had, you know, these little goofy publicity stunts companies will do. Right. They're paying you uh, to travel the United States or maybe the world for an entire year, all expenses paid to eat barbecue. Really? Yeah, and you got to go eat barbecue, get your like Twitter picture taken and stuff at all these barbecue places, and you just get to go around and eat. I think maybe it's just ribs, even. Just a ribs but rib it, tour. I do like barbecue, but every day. Every day. Every day. The same thing every day. No, I don't think it would be that much. That would be that'd be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, six years of traveling around Europe just chipping away at rock. Tink, 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 tink. <laughs> okay, another slab of marble. Thanks, guys. Bring it in. Yeah, no, take the other one out. All right, so Captain Beefheart. Age 13, 1954, the family moves from L.A. to the remote farming town of Lancaster near the Mojave Desert. Okay. There's a big aerospace thing going on out there, and there's test facilities and the, Edwards the, Air the, Force the, Base. The, the missile, the White Sands Missile Proving Grounds? Something like that. Yeah. They're big business, you know, so people are out UFOs. there. UFOs. 
Don attended Antelope Valley High School, and he started really getting into music, like old blues stuff like Sunhouse and Robert Johnson and John Coltrane, Muddy you know, Waters. Everybody was into blues back then. Well, and here's the kicker. He really identified with Howlin' Wolf. You know, hey, Howlin' Wolfman, you know, like Wolfman Jack type of thing. Was, Howlin' Wolf was like, Wolfman Jack was the DJ. Yeah. Howlin' oh. Wolf was the guy who stole that uh, voice for songs, you know. Okay. Not, so. Wait, what was that one voodoo guy? We You put a spell on, we put a spell on you. Put a spell on me. Who was that guy? That, that guy's name. Remember his name? Uh, no, I don't, but I see it in my head. Wasn't he it's not on these an guys. earlier podcast with... He was with David uh, Allen Coe. David Allen Coe, yeah, 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 the voodoo guy. That's uh, it's he was different. scary. He was very scary. Yeah, check out the David Allen Coe podcast. It's apparently our most popular episode. I like that one. I think it's just because it has the word racist in the title. But <laughs> what do sad. I know that's, about? That's what gets. That's what gets the clicks. What do I know about the algorithm? Clickbait, baby. All right. So when he's there uh, at this Antelope High School, he starts hanging out with uh, the local bands, the Omens and the Blackouts. All right. So he he grew up in in um. Oh, Brian's telling me to stop hitting things. He didn't stop like stop fiddling noise. with the odd noises in the background, Ben. Ting, ting, ting. No, so he started out in Southern California. Is that right? SoCal, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. and then they moved out, kind of out to the desert. Well, no, they were in L.A. I'm sorry, I started wrong. They were in L.A. and then yeah. they moved out to the desert. Yeah, yeah, that, that's Southern California. Is it? Sure. L.A. Yeah. All right, all right, I'll believe it's you. No, Northern California is like where they do not dumb stuff. Then he went out to the desert for his adolescent years. Okay. Right. I just getting it straight. I, 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 I like the background. I got you. Don befriends Blackout's drummer, Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa is there a cool go. dude. Basically, I like, I, he's, he's a, he is an interesting dude. Don and Frank go to high school together, and that's how they met, basically. Hanging out and in the classrooms and in the back rooms and stuff like that. I was at, oh, where was it? Was it at a Hard Rock Cafe or... I don't think it was at the the thing in Cleveland, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. It was one. I think it was a Hard Rock Cafe somewhere, and they had this beautiful quilt that Frank Zappa had commissioned to be made, and it was nice. It's like something that your grandmother would make for you with all these nice quilted pieces, all sort of collaged and, what and, were and the sewn pieces? together. The panties. Oh God. They were underwear from women <laughs> oh. that threw on, that threw their stuff up on stage during Frank Zappa concerts. Genius. This was this was awesome. Frank Zappa was kind of a musical uh, just a, a, a guru. I yeah. mean, he knew stuff. He I was, was going to ask you, who is Frank Zappa for people who might not know Ben? Just because I realized we didn't cover that. I said Frank Zappa, like, oh, everybody oh, knows who that is. He's a, he was a very eccentric, a very very eccentric uh, musician. Who would, I mean, he made like um, operas and stuff. He did some really hard, I mean, musical genius shit. Yes. But then would sing about titties and vaginas and nasty stuff and dumb things. And, Don't eat the yellow snow. Oh my gosh, just some of the dumbest, like. Watch out where the huskies go. Don't you eat that yellow snow. And he loved it. And he felt like anything to entertain. I don't know. I'd like to do more about Frank Zappa, but he probably didn't do anything wrong. He's pretty straight laced. I got into that yeah. sort of. But uh, now he's got he's got some. He's dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And he's got a couple of kids, Dweezil and. Moon Unit One, his and, daughter. Okay. And they do. They did some stuff. And but Ahmed Zappa. So the boys go around doing Zappa. It wasn't there something one Dweezil? Dweezil? Yeah, Dweezil. Okay. We'll get there. All right. All right. Go ahead. Continue. Sense. All right, so uh, Don's hanging out with Frank Zappa in high school. So they both loved the Chicago blues and that R&B sound, so they start, you know, kicking around. And, and Frank, 
Uh, well, okay, hey, I have a card on Frank, so you didn't have to tell people. No. Frank's an American musician, composer, and band leader. He made 60-plus albums. He's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1995. He got a Grammy, Lifetime Achievement Award in 1997, and number 71 of the 100 Greatest Artists of All Time, according to Rolling Stone. He doesn't have a lot of like really popular stuff that you'll still hear today on the radio. It's out there, man. But you can go find it. Some weird stuff. You'll like it. It it is neat if you really like music, music, and you don't. You're not just like I like whatever's on the radio, music. If you like music, this stuff's interesting. To listen to because it's so a, different. <laughs> you gotta find a horny little Jewish princess. <laughs> you gotta do something niner and sixteen niner and whiner. It's just the goofiest <laughs> songs. Just the goofiest, weirdest songs. But see, conceptually, that's clever. That's very clever. <laughs> yeah. Senior year of high school, Don drops out to help his family. His dad had a heart attack, so Don drops out, and he takes over his dad's bread truck route, because mm-hmm. at that time, his dad was driving a bread truck. All right. So the truck made of bread? Or it had bread in it? Uh, I don't think. Well, we're not there yet. He's not oh. quite spaced out to that degree, so he's just delivering bread to people. Okay. Now, even though his graduation picture appears in the yearbook, Dom claims he never attended public school. He says he went to a half day of kindergarten, and that's all. Quote from Don, quote, if you want to be different fish, you got to jump out of the school. I I think he's he's now trying to invent himself as he goes. Trying? Yeah, he's, <laughs> I mean, he's trying to, let me go to school. Whatever, back. All right, we got a Frank Zappa quote about that time also, because this, you know, Don says a lot of shit, and his friends are like, wait, I had class with you. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I never went. I went to a half day at kindergarten. So anyway, Frank says, quote, uh, he had dropped out of school by that time and spent most of his time staying at home. His girlfriend lived in the house, and his grandmother lived in the house, and his aunt and his uncle lived across the street, and his father had that heart attack, and his father drove a bread truck, and so part-time Don was helping out by taking over the bread truck route and driving up to the Mojave. The rest of the time, he'd just sit at home and listen to rhythm and blues records and scream at his mom to get him a Pepsi. <laughs> Meatloaf! Give me a Pepsi! <laughs> Meatloaf! Mom, Frank's here! Give me a Pepsi! Uh, Frank Zappa's first uh, recorded Don in his college classroom. Like, Frank goes on to college, and Don's like, all right, let's check it out. It's called Don Vliet is Lost in a Whirlpool, and you can hear it on Zappa's Lost Episodes. Oh, so he sang a song about him? Or no, him? Don actually, that's the first time Don's ever been recorded, was doing, like, Frank's school project or something. Oh, okay, so, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and then Frank gets a job at this PAL Studios in Cucamonga, California. Cool. And so, Cucamonga. <laughs> so Don and Frank start collaborating on uh, some some songs. They call themselves the Suits, the S-O-O-T-S. Suits. The Suits. The suit, like, We're the Suits. Like, icky sooty material it doesn't sound pleasant they had songs like cheryl's cannon metal man has won his wings and i was a teenage malt shop that's better than a gay ice cream truck that's true and of course the classic the birth of captain beefheart so did any background on why they got the name beefheart uh beefheart was a song oh the birth of captain beefheart was a song about a movie frank wrote called captain beefheart versus the grunt people is that on Netflix? Uh, it's, uh, I think you can actually find it, yes. Captain Beefheart vs. the Grunt People. It might not be on Netflix. It might be Vimeo or something like that, like ha- deeper in. Have you ever eaten a Beefheart or any heart whatsoever? How many different hearts have you eaten? Wow. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I've had a lot you of hot dogs. When you were a kid? I don't think, I don't know. Not good. Well, Wait, that lips, not a, lips and assholes. You'd be lucky to get a beef <laughs> heart and a hot dog these days. Lips and assholes. But, um, so here's, uh, here's our, okay, so I've eaten a chicken heart for sure. Nuggets? All right. No. no Pink slime? Like just a, I, it was a heart. It came with chicken back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, you're get, right. Your mom would right. buy a chicken at the store, and then you'd open it up, and there's like the gizzard and the liver and the heart. Right. And the, Whatever. You'd eat it. It was, it was a piece of meat. Whatever. So I've eaten that. All right. But you know, um, up in the Flint area, they have their, uh, uh, there's a thing called a Coney dog. All right. Number one, Coney Island is in New York. I don't, I don't get this. I don't know how it got this way. Are you going to go into Detroit Coney's versus Flint Coney's also? Because there's a whole we'll get, Oh, we'll get there. All right. So the whole entire idea of eating a hot dog out on Coney Island is nothing new. Nathan's hot dogs are out there. They'd still do it today. Nathan's hot dogs are good. I will say that. I am yeah, super biased because I prefer only a Kogel Vienna. Mm-hmm. But a Nathan's hot dog is a good second. I mean, that's not bad. So they would take the hot dogs over to Michigan, I guess, and bam. Now we made them into what were called Coney dogs. Which then you'd put like a topping on it that was either like a a bean, like a refried bean and chili, chili. mix. Yeah, chili. But Flint has theirs where it's a it's a meat. Loose meat. It's not. It's a beef. It's beef heart. Well, yeah, it's a it's yeah. a loose meat sort of in a in a not a sauce sauce, but it's got a little bit of it's a chili saucy. Just but like it's not chili. Though. Chili powder. Yeah. Doesn't have beans in it. Doesn't have like tomatoes or no, onions in it. No, I'm saying chili powder, like chili powder. You yeah, buy. Yeah. yeah, and then they have garlic and stuff. But it's a really um fine. It's made out of beef heart. That's, That's the Flint Tony sauce. Wow. Yeah, it's good stuff. And by the way, Kogel's has a very high standard for the hot dog, Brian. No, I know. I it's actually the meat, know the meat buyer. He's one of my hunting partners. The meat has to be what up? attached to the bone. Your heart's not attached to a bone, No, though. so they can't use that, and they can't use a liver. <laughs> I see. But lips and assholes, yeah, he can use that. That's attached to the bone. There's, there's a term they use for it, you know, in the meat industry. A lot of your asshole attached to a bone, is it? Or is that your lips? No, your lips are attached to stuff. I can see your lips being attached to a bone, Ben. <laughs> I get that. It's a penis joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, we got 22 minutes into the episode, and that's our first, uh, penis, first penis joke. joke. Yeah, good job. Right. Uh, okay, so right there, we've got Captain Beefheart versus Grunt People. That's the first time we see the appearance of Captain Beefheart. I want a Coney dog. It is rumored Don's Uncle Alan had a habit of exposing himself to Don's girlfriend, Lori Stone. <laughs> That's so terrible. So, <laughs> Uncle Alan would be taking a piss and the bathroom door open, right? And if Lori would walk by the bathroom, he'd mumble about his penis. He'd be like, ah, what a beauty. Looks like a big, fine beef heart. Oh, so is that where they got this That's, from? Yeah, Uncle Alan and his beef heart penis is where they got it okay, from. Okay, so how did he? Where did he get it from? Well, let's do a follow-up. Johnny Carson uh, asked Don a question about the name. Uh, he's like, "So, Don, Captain Beefheart," and Don said, "One day, he was standing on the pier, and he saw fishermen cutting the bills off of pelicans, and he said it made him sad. It put a beef in his heart." And Johnny Carson goes to break, and when they come back to the show, Don is gone. What? What? They kicked him off. They, oh, they. You're, you're weird. <laughs> he was Cutting weird. the bills off of pelicans? The hell are you talking about? So, Johnny did not like that. You know, no. Johnny Carson ran that show. Uh, yeah, from the desk. Baby. He ran that show, dude. Okay, next. And he Who's never. Out next? And he, ne- he didn't never got political either. No, uh, nope. he, he walked a fine line. He he would he would bring things up 
and he wasn't real social minded. He just he did his job and he made sure everybody around him did their fucking job. I like Johnny. Oddly enough, we'll get there. All Don's right. very much the same way. He's very controlling, authoritative. I don't know what you want to call him, but uh well anyway, Don enrolls at Antelope Valley College as an art major. Because the sculpting mm-hmm. and the art stuff. He only stays for a week. So the Ben time frame. <laughs> and, got that uh, Pell Grant check. Leaves, leaves before anything else happens. So, uh, Don gets a job selling vacuum cleaners door to door. He sells vacuums to a writer, Aldous Huxley. Do you remember when the vacuum cleaner people came to our house, Brian, back in the day? <laughs> I don't. I really don't. <laughs> they were... Okay, it was... um, The Is vacuum the- cleaner company was... Uh, oh, it's one of the big names. That Kirby? You, K- Kirby, yeah, Kirby. I'm having flashbacks. So so they come to the door. This is you're y- you're, not, young, home. you're not home. Young fellow who cleaned the whole house while it's, I was at school? It's me. I think I was home in the kitchen, and I was working on that deck in the back of the house. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, dog starts barking. I go, hey, I want to give you a vacuum. I said, hey. I, he, and the kid talked me into letting him do it because he's like, if I just give out, you know, three demos a day, and if I do that for a week, I get a free trip. Uh, there's some incentive. I don't even need to sell anything. I'm like, well, look around, dude. I don't have carpet in my house. I went well, all har- pretty much that whole up no hardwood floors. Yeah, it was that one bed. The 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 one room had carpet in it. That was it. And we didn't go in there. I never went in that room. And so, anyways, the kid comes in, starts doing his thing, and I'm like, I can give you a few minutes, but you you're just gonna have to hang out here for a while, and do your and. Next thing you know, I have my house has three salesmen in it and a manager. Oh, wow. They're in the house with a van. You and got back to the house by this time, and we're just drinking on the deck or drinking in the house somewhere. Right. Pissed because she's trying to make dinner, and these people are trying to clean curtains around her. And I'm like, you guys got to get the fuck out of here. I ended up just kicking them out. I'm like, you got to leave. I'm done with you. This is two and a half hours of bullshit. Go away. So did you buy a vacuum? I got three of them. <laughs> no, I did not buy a vacuum. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Don, he didn't sell a vacuum either, but this Aldous Huxley, you don't know who that is? No. You ever heard of the book, A Brave New World? No, I don't read books. Well, this is not going to be entertaining for you. <laughs> Hasn't so. been so far. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Bottom There it is. Uh, yeah, I need the dadoonch instead of the gong. Uh, Don finishes his sale pitch by... Pointing at the vacuum and declaring, well, I assure you, this thing sucks. <laughs> uh, that, now you got, you got to have the rim job there, too. Right. The rim shot. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie and Slip. All right. Lips and assholes, eh, Ben? All right. It all, it's all circular. It comes around. All right. So, uh, well, after that, Don gets a job managing a Kenny's shoe store. A, oh, you remember those? I do. That's why I put it in there. I was like, I remember oh. Kenny's. And they had those benches, and they had that mirror that was, yep. like, on an angle on the yeah, bench. The skirt mirror, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could see up girls' skirts at Kenny's. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny's. I always think of Al Bundy. Wasn't that, that was kind of the shoe store that he worked oh, at. Oh, God, yes. That was, uh, yep, Married with Children. Everybody look it up for classic shoe store jokes. Oh, they got some good, yeah, that's funny. Don relocates to Rancho Cucamonga, California, and reconnects with Frank. Okay. And so Frank gets Don into musical performance stuff. Like Don's a shy sculpture sculptor, right? Like he's used to sitting by himself and taking away at marble shoe or salesman, <laughs> dealing with women's shoes. But eventually, uh, he gets to imitating that howling wolf voice, like that. Yeah, everybody, I can't do it without killing my throat. Right. 
That's good though, right? No, you got his baby in the blues. Yeah, we're gonna sing it. That's what he did. Well, that's kind of the voice he started getting into. He's like, I sound good like that, that gnarly, yeah, growly voice. And so he starts playing the harmonica too, and begins uh, playing local dances and small clubs all around Southern California. How old, about old is he at this point? Oh, geez, he's got to be in his teens, twenties. I was gonna say, I was gonna say at least twenties. He's been around the block a little bit. Well, 1965. So he was born in uh, what did I say, 41. So puts him at like 24, yeah, 23. Okay. So yep. yeah, he's right in it. That's yeah, that's about the time I was gigging the most with stuff and jamming out and playing. Well, shows I mean, he's still music. not really doing anything for real yet. Don's invited to sing with the Magic Band. That's a 60s group with elements of psychedelia and contemporary sort of hippie counterculture stuff. You know, weird people. Yeah, I think acid's coming back into play. And I think, I think in we're getting there. <laughs> no, not no. Now people are like, hey, just microdoses. The oh nowadays you're yeah, saying nowadays, yeah. you in our story yeah that's oh no how people deal with children microdosing acid yes I see and then uh, macrodosing alcohol <laughs> that's later no that's how that's how you deal with your spouse <laughs> macrodoses of alcohol <laughs> and separation no oh I just you know the that's separ- the cure for the alcohol have you not have you heard this trend that they have uh, separate um, honeymoons <laughs> <laughs> people get married and then go on separate honeymoons the husband and the wife true story you read about it. That I don't so want to go to Jamaica. You go there. I'm going to Peru. Fine. I'm going fishing in Colorado. I'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> so right there, 1965, Don's in with his magic band, right? And he quickly changes the name to Captain Beefheart and his magic band. Oh, wow. He took right over. Just took it over. <laughs> We're going to name this something stupid, guys. I don't think we should. I already did it. Well, it's done. see, the gig is Don is like... I got, I got a, I got a thing here, guys. What we'll do is we'll go on stage, and upon drinking a Pepsi, Captain Beefheart could summon up his magic band. So did Pepsi pay him to do this? No, they are not a sponsor. <laughs> Why do you pick Pepsi? I he I liked mean, at least you the know Juggalos get a little something out of <laughs> like put po- po- Fago shit up, but their, their dads are like VPs of those companies, yeah. dude. That's why I don't think Don knew anybody at Pepsi. Can we do the Juggalos? One day, if they break the law, I think they're they're they're. You they're, just mean juggalos in general? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. We're sure. Gonna, you, all right. Sure, everybody, sure, sure. everybody, please write Brian to get him to do the job. I want to learn more about juggaloing. Doing juggalos? Yeah. Something, uh, something. I don't even know their names. I can't even think of what it is. Tell you what, we should do. If you ever want to do a live podcast with your little camera dealios, we'll paint our faces like juggalos. Juggalo podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm down for that. All right. All right. That's that's. I get some we'll, more Zimas in me. We'll but. get there. It will be our first night podcast live. All right. So basically, Captain Beefheart and his magic band—they play a bunch of car club dances and like juke joints and stuff. Um, they won the Teenage Fair Battle of the Bands. Ooh, the teenage the Teenage Fair. Yeah. There's a separate fair for just teens. Well, at whatever academy or the what, what is that antelope valley college or something yeah there's a right. so ba- well but the thing though is that led to uh two single contracts like singles like single songs one one song not a whole album oh but from a record company yeah from am and m records oh from a real record company so right that's a real record company and the two singles were diddy wad diddy a willie dixon cover and moonchild it was it was not well received. No, uh, no. Moonchild. Was that a uh, did they write that on their own song there? Yeah, those that was their own. Well, Diddy old Diddy, what you said was somebody. Diddy Wide Diddy is a Willie Dixon cover. That okay. people like that. Willie Dixon is good and popular. 1966, after the two song deal was up, Don and the Magic Band presented A and M with uh, more songs. 
Yeah. They, they were told the songs were quote too negative, and then uh, they got dropped from the label. Ooh. Like too this negative. is your this is your effort. <laughs> Next. Too negative. Too negative. Hmm. The the grunge music has was not popular yet. No, but luckily at the end of 1966, Don and the Magic Band signed a Buddha Records out of L.A. Buddha. Buddha. Never heard of that. I have not either, but it's a record company, and yeah, they signed. I'm sure there were a lot of. Record I'm signed company, to yeah. the. I'm signed to a record label, bro. They they all got hoovered up by the big guys. Signed to a record label. Yeah. I I haven't signed, but I got a SoundCloud. So if you go to my SoundCloud, you I you know. What's that, Takeshi? No, that's yeah. Well, basically, right? Rappers nowadays. I'm waiting because I just produced myself. 1967, they start work on a new album, Safe as Milk. Uh, it was a chaotic time in the recording of that album. It was all freaky and weird. D- guitarist Doug Moon. Well, wait. Let's start with the drummer, John French. John French quit because Don would teach his drums by whistling and banging uh, the, the parts out on the side of the piano. So he'd be like, all right, uh, what I need from the drums is I need like a... And the drummer didn't like that. <laughs> Can you get more of the... I need more bang in there. But, you know, like, but it's no... Like a knock, not a, you know, like, bang, not bang, bang. And so he's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Don? It's 69. A lot of drugs going on like, at this time of the year. Can you play it out on the drums. And you, on the dr- I can't whistle because the pop filter's in here, but. I don't have a whistle on my drum, dude. I don't, is it, is I don't, it a cowbell? Like, are, you, are you looking for more? I, mean, I, I do. I got a cowbell. So that, and then guitarist Doug Moon, he was replaced by 20-year-old sensation uh, Rye Gooder. This guy's like a big uh, thing. But Doug left the band because he couldn't stand Don's criticism. So basically one time, Doug was so angry, uh, he walked in the studio and pointed a loaded crossbow at Don. (laughs) To which Don said, get that fucking thing out of here. Get out of here and get back in your room. Which exactly is what Doug did. He said, I'm sorry. This is a precursor to the idiot guy, the 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 sound of wall walls. <laughs> Phil Spector. Phil Spector. Yeah. Just play, but he had a crossbow. Right. Well, That's no, classy. it's it's the reverse situation. Is the guitar player had the crossbow pointed at Don? He's like, I'm sick of you telling me how to do this shit. And Don's like, Just take your goddamn crossbow out of my face. Go back in your room and practice. All right. <laughs> I don't have time for this shit. Who's who's packing a crossbow? Doug, get the hell out of here. Doug. All right, Doug's Doug. got a crossbow. All right, at this point, uh, we got we. I, I said crossbow, so I'm gonna take. We're gonna take a small break, and uh, we're gonna find more Zimas. We're gonna come back and see if we can't uh, see what happens here with he, Don. He hasn't done anything illegal yet. No, we're 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 right on the tip of it though. I wanted to introduce weaponry, and then we'll go off. All right, I, I'm glad you got your weaponry introduced. <laughs> I'm Stan. And I'm Drew. And we are your hosts of Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks is a fresh take on true crime podcasts. We are a father and son team from way back in the sticks of South Carolina. Yeah, in a town of less than 500. And we have a shared passion for all things true crime. So, every Saturday we get together and swap stories about a true crime event. 
We try and find the most twisted and vile losers of our human race. Now you won't hear a lot of endless banner on Bad and Boondocks. But what you will hear is all the unedited facts on the cases we choose, no matter how gory or troublesome they are. And you'll hear it all with a unique southern flair. And along the way, you'll hear just the right amount of discussion and jokes to keep you and us from completely losing your mind. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya, and CastBox. Or just go to badintheboondocks.com and download all of our episodes there. So, come on down to the boondocks and get your redneck on with us. We promise, you'll have a good time. I'm, I'm excited about this, though. You I like that? Yeah. You like that, Drew? I think I'm going to get... I, I How many episodes do they have? They've got a, about the same as us, about uh, just under 30, I think. Oh, I'm going to listen. I'm going to give them a try. Yeah, Drew, uh, Drew with the J, J, J-E-R-U. Drew sent me, that's the son, he sent me a couple promo things. We're doing a little promo swap with those guys. Yeah, that'd be so cool. So you'll that's hear cool. our, our promo on their show once I finish it yeah once we get it to them theirs is nicer than ours so i now have well, to up what we were doing before <laughs> so uh, uh, what can i, I do know. you know That's a lot of work and then you know what i've been kicking it around guys if you're a podcaster and you're in the true crime genre um we're thinking about Swapcast. we will we will do your podcast and you can do our podcast and we'll all do it together um that sounded way worse than i wanted it to so i think if you're a fan of our show and you've listened to a lot of our earlier episodes <clears throat> I hope everyone understands. I'm I'm new to this podcast thing. <laughs> Ben's from the 1930s. Whatever this <laughs> podcast dealio is. So he thinks we're on the radio right now. <laughs> no, there's not a million people. No, so this AM. Where do I tune? <laughs> I haven't. I try to listen to myself on the way back home. I need an amplifier. So, um, but I have been getting a few extra podcasts. So we've done a little bit of podcast swap with a few other of our our. our True. No, the one the booze one, and brews girls. Yeah, the booze and brews. They they're hey, ladies. They have a lot of energy out in California. A lot of energy. Very much so. Yeah, and these guys, I I appreciate. There's a certain flair they got. Drew I'm, and I'm Stanley. Start listening to them. Drew and Stanley are great. But I did start listening to a uh, history podcast on the Civil War. Oh, who who's? Do you know? Um, look it up. You're gonna look at your you, phone. No, I don't want to because <laughs> okay, I, I don't want to use any names because the it's a it's a husband and wife. They got up. They've been doing it for years, and they're still not done. They oh make wow! Like twenty, thirty-minute episode, minute-long episode. So they haven't finished covering all of history yet. They haven't finished covering <laughs> even <laughs> the saying? history of of the Civil War. Oh, it's just strictly oh, the I'm Civil sorry, War. I, I, I may have, should you... have said that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm listening. They to haven't this finished thing. covering history yet, I'm Ben. Like, you say I'm like uh, twenty minutes in or twenty episodes into this. Day one. Oh, they're they they make us. Not, they're very factual. They have very well. Everything must be written for these people. Everything we don't write a lot. We got some note cards. We say some words. What are you talking about? These people write their own like jokes, and they read them like they're. <laughs> it's so dry. It's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. That That's they... awesome. That but sounds they're, awesome. They're very factual. If you want to learn about the Civil War, this would be a good one to go to. A lot of people died in the Civil War. Oh yeah, and 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 it has a very. I don't think we. Um, knew about the Civil War growing up a whole lot. Yeah, it happened. It did happen. It was the North against the South, and yeah. I'm pretty sure the North won. Yeah, well, yeah, but there was a lot of uh, little things at Mexican America. Okay, we should probably talk about our podcast. I feel like your family fought for the West. <laughs> yeah, they, were, they, were, they fought for the West. Out West is Don and the boys. They land a gig. Uh, 
playing the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967. Hey, I'd just like to let everybody know we've turned the Zimas off. <laughs> I didn't want to drink their... I don't know whose they are. You didn't want to drink all my Zimas Somebody's going to miss that Zima. And we're no. like, oh, I had three Zimas in there. What happened? It actually was in the fridge when we bought the house, so it's probably an original <laughs> from the 90s. It ages, just like KBS, real well. <laughs> so, uh, 1967... Probably, Don's been having sort of like these weird, probably, because we don't know because it's 1967, but he thinks he's having panic attacks when people look back on what was described. Mm -hmm. And so, which convinces him he's having a heart attack, right? Because his dad had a heart attack. So, it's that, or possibly all of Don's heavy LSD usage. (laughs) So It's a flip of the coin. But right, so he starts sort of freaking out, man, sometimes before he goes on stage. And like before this big Monterey show, I don't – Monterey Pop Festival, you heard about yeah, that? Yeah, we've, we've covered that a little bit. We've covered a little bit, right. All right. Oh, he was in it? Yeah, they were they were playing like for Zappa and like warming yeah. up and stuff, and they wanted to, they wanted to play a warm-up, right? So, so is there a difference between a panic attack and an anxiety? No, I think it's pretty much the it's same. All, I, I don't know. Yeah, your, your, your senses are all uh, heightened and like loss of control. So no, I think you get that anxiety where you get like a sick feeling in your stomach really bad and there's no reason for it. Right. That could have been it. So, all right, before they play this big Monterey show, they wanted to do a warm-up gig. And they play this Mont Tamalapayas Festival. Tamalapayas. Mont Tamalapayas Festival. All right. They play sounds, that, right? Sounds legit. They start playing the song Electricity. Electricity. That's not really the song. But I mean, it is. The song's called Electricity. Don freezes on stage. Just locks right up. Straightens his tie. Walks right off the front of the stage. Falls 10 feet, 3 meters for overseas, and lands on his manager, Bob Crenshaw. He he walked off the stage and landed. Just, right, walking off the plank, baby. Uh, Don claimed that he'd seen a girl in the audience turn into a fish with bubbles coming from her mouth. This guy is high in acid. <laughs> you think? You think? You think? Because if he really saw that, that would be amazing. Right. All right. All right. Bubbles, and- acid. Was she hot? I, I fish uh, hot fish girl. I got like a mermaid, but yeah. I, it sounds like her head is like the head was the fish and the body was a girl. So that's not what. That's you're... a tough call, Brian. <laughs> yeah. If you had to choose, do you, you know? want the top part to be the girl and the bottom part to be the fish, or the top part to be the fish and the bottom part to be the girl? There is a wonderful, wonderful ah. song out there, and I can't remember the name of the band, but that's what it's all about. It's like this guy has a mermaid for a girlfriend, but man. Top parts fish, and the, or the top parts girl, and the bottom parts fish. I wish your sister would come by, because <laughs> the bottom parts girl, the top parts fish. Right. So, anyway. Uh, basically, uh, after that, the guitar player quit. So he's like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore, man. And so when the guitar part's way too complex to learn in a week. They canceled the Monterey Pop Festival show, and that wrecked their chances of breaking through to mainstream audiences and blowing them up. You so. gotta walk that fine line of drugs as a musician back then. I think you gotta do drugs. Yeah, but not too many drugs. Yeah, no. That Coda, that that Rye Cooter guy was like, uh, "Dude, I'm out." Because like as soon as uh, Don walks off stage, he walked backstage, grabbed his guitar case, kept walking. It's like, yeah, I can't screw do this, this anymore. <laughs> 1968, Captain Beefheart releases their second album, Strictly Personal, mm. described as terrific and underrated. Terrific and underrated. Yeah. So apparently they've kind of got like a thing. They got a niche, basically. Yeah. They've got that Zappa niche, right? That weird ass 
eccentric music, eclectic music stuff. So Terrific and underrated. Yeah. Sounds like what my first girlfriend used to write on my Facebook wall. Oh. My MySpace wall. I was like, wow. Friendster. Friendster. That was, I found that out. I, yeah, I just found that the other day. Friendster. You're on Friendster now? <laughs> I'm on Friendster. <laughs> Everybody look up Ben's Friendster and uh, hit him up there. I wonder if that's still available. Did you ever make the MySpace page I'm knowing the answer? I, you know I'm working on it. All right. On a European trip, Don and the boys are uh, denied entry to the UK. Their manager didn't get the proper work permits to play some UK gigs, so they just kick around Germany for a couple days, and then they try again, and it's good to go. And the UK gig is important because that's where they play uh, John Peel's radio show. It's called Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. After the show, they have a huge line of fans who want to meet them. Like, so they had some fans. They yeah, this this is a popular radio show. John Peel was a good DJ over in England, and he had you know like like Casey Kasem type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. and here coming from the guy, you know, it's like here's Captain Beefheart. They go on to go play uh, the Medium Mosaic Festival in Cannes, France. So they, basically, this is all setting up that they're getting bigger. They're getting some notoriety. Notoriety. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When they return from Europe, they sign with MGM Records. Okay. And Anum didn't call them back then. Well, no. Okay. They they were like you're too negative. 1969. Uh. <laughs> Don starts the greatest work, his 28 track double album Trout Mask Replica. 28 track. 28 track. Now, um, wow. your dad knows all about this. I'm sure of. This is like the high the height of music creativity in 1969. The Trout Mask Replica. Don wanted the band to live the album, right? Like I want you guys to. I want to feel like it. method acting, right. but for the band. For music. Okay. So he rents a house out in Woodland Hills in L.A., and he calls it the Magic Band House. Super creative name. <laughs> uh, they rehearse for eight months, living like communally, like, like a hippie commune, in a two-bedroom house. With piles of acid everywhere. Yeah, well, right. And the band all slept in one bedroom, and then Don had the other room, and then the living room was the rehearsal area. So, so the band got one room, Don got the other room? <laughs> yep. What a dick. <laughs> Eight months, dude. Eight months. I bet that house smelled good. Uh, Don realized his vision by total domination of the bandmates. Like, he's like, again, like you said, like Phil Spector with, like, the guns pointed at your face. He was, like, right in your face at various how, times. How many people are living in this house at this point? Uh, like, five? No, honestly, the Magic Band has a rotating cast of, like, 38 people or something. There's horns. Harmonica players, sax, trumpets, guitars, bass, drum. I mean, it's so in the house. I think there's about a core of six people, and then people coming and going all times. Right, probably some partying going on. Well, no, no, no. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, various times, each bandmate was uh, quote put in a barrel with Don, like screaming at them for days until the musician collapsed into tears, and then he's like, "Now you're ready." So <laughs> this sounds so horrible. Guitar- guitarist Bill. Harkle Road said uh, his fingers were a bloody mess because Don insisted on using heavy strings. And you play guitar, you yeah. know about switching heavy strings. He's well, like, you can get used to it. Drummer John French is back, and he described the house as uh, cult-like and Manson-esque. Uh, it sounds like it. Like Charles Manson. Yeah. Yeah. So. Not mansion, but Manson. Manson, right. They had no income but welfare, and any family donations that they would get snuck past Don. They each got a cup of beans a day for food. And uh, visitors said they look cadaverous and in poor health. This sounds like hell. <laughs> right? Well, what do you guys do? Uh, I'm a rock musician. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> These poor rock musicians survive on one cup of beans a day. Can you send donations? 
to Woodland Hills. I'll make my 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 uh, my just Sarah McLaughlin reference here. <laughs> yeah, right. This is how you live the album. Oh wait, apparently. no, that wouldn't. That was for pets. Where's Alyssa Milano? Doesn't she do it for like starving children? Yeah, I think she might. I think she's still pretty good looking. She's super hot, but she's on this sex strike thing for the Me Too movement. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> still got a friend. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go there. Still got a pretty mouth, Brian. Wow. Lips and assholes. Uh, According to one of our presidents, oral sex isn't sex. I'm sorry. sorry. Okay. I got yelled at at break for making too many noises with things. You're twitchy. Brian's like, you're just making so many noises. I'm sorry. I'm... Are you not having fun? Is this not a good topic? I'm like, I'm waiting for the crime part. Well, we're here. Uh, He has a cult where he... I'm a little twitchy. Puts people in a barrel and beats on them. <laughs> Several band members were arrested for shoplifting food from a local store. There's your crime. Why didn't they just leave and not come back? They were mentally broken down like the <laughs> cults, dude. Zappa bails them out of jail, by the way. I'm going to start uh, doing this with my kids. Band members were restricted from leaving the house. They participated in 14 hours a day of practice. Jeez. Yeah. This album ever get cut? They ever get pressed this album? That's why it's the greatest double track 28, whatever sounding album in the world. We'll get there. I want to hear it. I'm going to have to hear it. I'm going to listen to it on the way home. We're almost there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, John French again, the drummer, recalls not getting the drum parts as quickly as Don wanted. So Don has, quote, a talk. Don's kind of famous for having talks with people. Uh, hey, hey, John, that, that's not really sounding right. Come here a minute. Oh, let me let me talk. talk to you about this uh, in private over nice, here. Nice, calm talk. So, French is punched by uh, all the band members. <laughs> he's thrown into walls. Uh, he's kicked. He's punched in the face by Don himself and uh, salted <laughs> like with the sharpened broomstick. Code red. Now, I didn't. Re- I wrote the last line, and then it just hit me. Wait, who sharpened the broomstick? <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, I just imagine some, like, keyboard player or something or some saxophone is just sitting in the corner, like, at night in his room, just sharpening the broomstick. Everyone's Making like, a shiv, just <laughs> rubbing it on the concrete like you would with a popsicle stick when you were five. So I'm going to make this, I'm, gonna st- I'm stabby, I'm getting stabby here. Now, French also says that he was complicit in assaulting other band members during their talks with Don. So they just beat up on whomever. It's Full Metal Jacket, man. This guy, yeah, this guy so. had him, like, locked in mentally. Now, after the album was finished, Don fired uh, the drummer, John French, by throwing him down a flight of stairs and telling him to take a walk, man. <laughs> was this a big guy? I mean, what is this like a macho man looking guy? No, no, it's like a Zappa size guy, you know, five, little skinny dude? five, eight, five, ten, little skinny dude. And they know, couldn't beat him up, huh? Crazy. Well, they didn't. Again, mentally, they were put in a barrel. They were broken. Broken. So. According to Don, the 28 songs were all written in eight-and-a-half-hour session at the piano, an instrument he had no skill at playing. <laughs> he wrote them all, banging, banging them out and whistling. Now, the band says the album was written over a year. So, uh, oh, and, and plus, he didn't go to school. Well, <laughs> he had nothing else to do, right? Yeah. He had a cult to run. Uh, the band was so well-rehearsed. How well-rehearsed <laughs> were they, Brian? The first 21 songs... Uh, in the single four, uh, they recorded the first 21 songs. Ah, uh, damn, let's try it again. <laughs> We're not well rehearsed, <laughs> apparently. Well, this is off the cuff. I don't rehearse any of this. The band was so well rehearsed. How well rehearsed were they, Brian? They recorded the first 21 songs in a single four-hour session. 
just let the track just let the tape run let it run and but they nailed it because dude you're practicing 14 hours a day for eight months a year with a guy beating on you if you don't do it right like having talks where the whole band kicks the shit out of you you're gonna be good you're gonna you're I mean, be you, pretty good yeah why well, couldn't you get all 28 tracks done well they you probably can, had to take some time out to get beaten this is the best part is that don spent a couple days on the vocals it's like, ah, i'm just not getting it and I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting it you know i heard uh ted nugent was notorious for being like one and done and perfect every time nice in the studio like would come in Half hour, get his entire, like, one song, two songs done. Done. Nailed it. Didn't have to come back and do them over again. Nailed it. <clears throat> yeah. I'm out of here. Wango tango. I love the way I sound on this track. <laughs> no, I sound good. It's great. You All know right. he's driving, like, to the store right now to go get some groceries and ammunition or something. <laughs> and he's listening to Cat Scratch Fever <laughs> <laughs> on repeat. I see. You know he is. I get the download credit for this. Woo! He just hits the button. Other rumors about this album, uh, neither Don nor the band took any drugs. <laughs> that was the first rumor. I'm like, okay. Uh, Don claimed to teach the guitarist and the bassist how to play from scratch. <laughs> Doesn't sound like he knows how to play any instruments. Don said he didn't sleep for a year. And when did they ask him, Don, how'd you do that? He said, mental thinking. I only eat fruit. <laughs> fruit. This guy is a fruit. Uh, the the Trout Band replica. It's a big hit, man. Trout Mask replica. It's a big hit. Like, it has a huge influence on new wave and punk music. They're like, people are like, this is genius. Genius! Well, at a cost. Ranked 16th greatest album of all time by Rolling Stone. What did the Vatican have to say about <laughs> I could it? Not, I couldn't find it. I looked. The Trout Mask replica is not on the Vatican's recommended albums of all time. I still I want to see that. I want to need that list. Critic, uh, critic, blah, 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 blah. critic Robert Christgau gave it a B plus, saying, "I find it impossible to give this record an A because it's just too weird." But I'd like to. All right, so he likes high praise. I mean, dude, again, it's it's people like it. So, dude, twenty eight tracks. So what year is this? It. What year? Sixty nine. Sixty nine. Yeah, sixty nine. Okay. <laughs> 1970, they have another album come out called Lick My Decals Off, Baby. <laughs> Spends 20 weeks on the charts, peaks in the UK charts at number 20. Uh, music critic Robert Christiao again gives this an album an A-. Oh, it's like we're getting better. Not nearly as weird. Well, <laughs> 1972, Don releases two more albums, The Spotlight Kid and Clear Spot. Now, before recording the albums, Don rents a house near Ben Lemon, California. Starts having talks with people again. <laughs> Harklin remembers being thrown into a dumpster this time. This guy's a nut. And he said, I, I took it as a metaphor, and I assumed I was no longer in the band. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he got out easy, though. He threw him away. Now, if we remember a classic movie, Better Off Dead, when Lane Meyer gets thrown in the garbage truck. I don't think I've seen that movie. Look at that. People throwing out a perfectly good white boy. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that movie. Ways. That's John Cusack movie. Uh-huh. If you like skiing and John Cusack, Better Off Dead. Uh, you got a song here. Her eyes are a blue million miles off of this Clear Spot album. Mm-hmm. Do you think you've ever heard it? No. It was in the movie The Big Lebowski. I I've only seen that movie one time. Oh my God! Who I know. are you? No, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, I rented it a VHS back in the day. Wow, okay, you like, are entering a world of pain. What's that? Donnie, mean? you're entering a world of pain. 
I know a lot of the quotes. Everybody says them. <laughs> I did so much Lebowski work for it because I couldn't find it, but I finally did. It's when Lebowski's checking his answering machine, um, and he stole the rug, and so he's dancing on the rug, and that's a scene, and they they're playing this song. Her eyes are a blue million miles. Hmm. No, and I've so never. I've, I, yeah. Right. It really brought the room together. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to some of this guy's music on the way home. 1974, Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band record uh, their eighth album, Unconditionally Guaranteed. Immediately after recording, the Magic Band disbands. Like, what? Oh, they disband? Yeah, they're like, fuck this guy. Yeah, well, yeah, I bet, they, <laughs> I bet a... they had a lot of people do that. Disgruntled and past Magic Band members joined together to form Mallard. They released two albums and disband again. Yeah, I never heard that. <laughs> Still 1974. Don uh, has concert dates sold, right? And tours and stuff. And another album to record. But it's called Blue Jeans and Moonbeams. He's got no band. Well, no, yeah, and probably a pretty bad rep in the industry. <laughs> they quit. Like, this guy's going to throw you in a dumpster and <laughs> put you in a barrel and yell at you <laughs> and then take credit for everything you know, even though he didn't know how to play the piano. You can't even stop him with a crossbow. And you should see how he plays the piano. He's just banging on it. He didn't even open it to show the keys. I don't think he knows the keys are there. Yep. 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 <laughs> see, he's just so focused, Brian. He's so focused. <laughs> ah, that's brilliant. Don gets some randoms with no experience, had never heard the songs, and they basically just improvise. <laughs> there, the, yep, there's that. Okay. Good enough. That's what we got. They were described as the bar band version of Captain Beefheart, and they called him Captain Beefheart and the Tragic Band. They probably did just as good. Well, they didn't do it. I mean, that's what the the fans called them. They're like, uh. No, they didn't do it. They did just as good? No. They didn't yeah. get yelled at enough? Not enough talks? <laughs> Art Tripp, original drummer for Beefheart and the Magic Band, he listened to the albums that those they sort of winged. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, we were horrified as we listened. It was as though each song was worse than the one that preceded it. <laughs> That's not good. That's not going to get you an A-. minus. Don later disavowed both albums, asking not to be considered part of his musical output. Who would he tell this to? Well, he urged fans who bought the albums that take them back for a refund. You take the little cellophane off the cassette, and you can't get... Can't take it back, Don. No. It's it's the same with video games and albums (laughs) and everything. 1975, Don sits in on some Zappa albums, right? He's in on, like, Bongo Fury and Bat Chain Puller. Um, They had this guy, John Thomas, on keyboards, and once recording was done, he quits, and then he joins the Mallards. So the Mallards is just a bunch of uh, Beefheart <laughs> rejects. Everybody who hates Don Van Vliet's like, what a dick. I just had to point at the computer screen because there's something coming up. Oh, Brian's got to change dude. it. It's got to happen. Oh, he got muted. All right. You think so? People like Don's uh, contributions, though. So uh, Beefheart's back, though, because they're like, oh, he's with Zappa, man. This is cool. December 27, 1975. Don gets into it with the crowd at Winterland in San Francisco, California. What do you mean, gets into it? Well, show's going on, right? And, you know, Don gives the guy the finger. He's like, ah, got right in his face, right? He's like, fuck you, because the guy gave Don the finger. Right? So they're just flipping each they're other just off flipping each from other a off. distance. Right, from the stage. Well, Don, Don went up to the guy, actually, and he's like, fuck you, no, fuck you. Gives him the finger and starts screaming and swearing at him and stuff. And then the crowd... It starts booing and throwing stuff at Don, like whipping bottles at him and shit like that. So Don goes off in a rage. Oh, well, like, he's mad. You can't. Fuck everybody. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. You can't you... respond to that stuff if you're on stage. Don leaves the stage to the booze of the crowd. And the magic band stays on stage and keeps playing a song. They play Alice in Blunderland. Kind of funny. Well, they, get, they got to they right? get paid. They get through that. Don comes back out on stage. 
gives the finger again, gets booed off again. No, he's making no friends at this point. Magic Band finishes the show. Backstage, it's completely pitch black. Like, there are no lights, because Don had broken out every single light bulb, and there's glass shards everywhere. This guy's a dick. Then when the other guys are like, what the hell was that all about, Don? Don said, I wanted him to do that, man. That was exactly what I wanted him to do, man. (laughs) Now you can hear this show, thanks to uh, a local taper who was in the crowd, a guy who was a huge uh, Captain Beefheart fan. A local taper? Simpsons creator, Matt Groening. Oh, does, really? He has a huge collection of Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band uh, tapes from back in the day. Do they make any references on their show to them? I don't know. The picture was of Matt Groening holding a Bender doll for that particular article when I researched it. So yeah, I think it might be some Futurama stuff as far as him and the Beefheart. I, no, I'm, I'm the Futurama guy in the crowd here. There are no Beefheart references there that I know of. I have of. Futurama's tap game on my iPad right here, buddy. I just I'm watched just the shows. I don't know, but I mean, you think about it, all the aliens, there might have been a Beefheart alien or something or something. I mean, that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Futurama. I'll take that. I'm the Simpsons spaghetti guy. monster. That's funny. <laughs> 1980, Doc, the radio station. That's an album. Uh, this record got Don the title of The Father of New Wave. This was the post-punk time in, you know, like when Johnny Rotten and all those guys were all sort so of... So this is in the, what year, uh, like mid-70s? 1980. Oh, wow, okay. Yep, so right. new wave, like video killed the radio yeah. star. Don sort of credited with being the godfather or the father of, of new wave. Velvet Underground, Lou Reed, New York Dolls, stuff like that. Really? Don's the influence, baby. All right. Don was called one of the most important American composers of the last 50 years, a primitive genius. Huh, you'd think I've heard of him. I, that's what I did when I was reading this. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I don't... Not everybody can be the best. I mean, I have heard of Captain Beefheart. I have. I'd heard that name. I, I'm not sure if He's I have got or not. crazy album art, which we'll get to. Uh, 1982, Ice Cream for Crow, his 12th album. They make a lot of albums, him and Zappa. I mean... Yeah, Zappa, well, we've you know. heard of Zappa. They, that, but, I mean, they produce. They're not, like, making hooks and stuff. They're just making content the content okay there yeah, you go just filling up just filling up blank well space. they made a music video this ice cream for crow album they made a music video for one of the songs and they took it to mtv and mtv hated it because it was boring it was too weird too negative <laughs> the museum of modern art took it in as an artwork and it's still on display as one of the most popular artworks from an american artist a video yes they just got the like an old tube television playing in the at the museum. Yep, of on loop of on his loop on a, of his of his video. Yep, Don was on David Letterman and he said, "I don't want my MTV if they don't want my video," because the slogan back then was, "I want my MTV." Yeah, so I want he my, called him out on David Letterman show. My... <laughs> 1985. <coughs> what happened there? <coughs> Zima's getting to me. <laughs> Zima came back up, huh? Harsh. Uh. You gotta, you gotta let the jolly manager melt. Yeah. 1985, Don has an art exhibition uh, at the Mary Boone Gallery in New York. Mm-hmm. And at first, people thought, here's another rock musician trying to paint and trying mm-hmm. to be creative and stuff. Some of Don's art sold for upwards of $25,000. But, well, he was, a, he was kind of an artist back in the day. I suppose so. I mean, as a five year old. He establishes from there a relationship with the Galerie Michael Werner in Cologne, Germany. And uh, serious artists and collectors see his work, and Don is compared to Francis Bacon, Jackson Pollock, and even Vincent Van Gogh. Hmm. I've heard of one of those guys. Jackson Pollock? 
um, Van Van Went. I see. 1987, Don appears in a movie. What movie, Ryan? Grizzly 2, The Predator. I've never seen either of the Grizzlies, A 15-foot-tall bear in the woods considered the Jaws rip-off type of thing. Like, oh, yeah. do don't do don't do don't roar You're like, okay, there's a bear. Where do you go to escape a bear? Uh, climb a tree. You go in the water. Okay. I oh, thought no, bears could swim. swim. <laughs> no, you don't climb a tree. They got you pinned at <laughs> they, that point. <laughs> Only so I can climb bear. You're going to need to move so I can keep climbing. My, my cousin got – he was up – in deer hunt, he wasn't running from a bear. Oh, he God. was deer hunting. He's up in his like tree stand, you know, where you you're up in a tree with your bow and arrow. Sure. Shooting down on the animals. Well, a bear came up the tree. Oh and, God. And he was freaking out. He couldn't get down. He's trying to shoo the bear away and like swat it with an arrow and stuff. Well, they ain't, they don't care about that. <clears throat> and so he called his girlfriend on the phone and said, "Drive the truck out here. I'm gonna jump in the truck so we can get because the bear was getting a little aggressive." And it chewed on his foot. He had to go to the hospital and stuff. I think a bear can run like 50, 60 miles an hour, right? I don't know about 60 miles an hour. I put a 10-mile barrier in there. What do you... I don't think he's going 50. I don't think a bear is going 30. Ooh, competition. All right, guys, if you know, drop us a line on some social media. But basically, after the bear movie, uh, Don retires from music, goes back to painting and sculpting. Uh, He said he got too good at the horn. Too... (laughs) Sounds like it. Oh, you're too good at this musical instrument. It's about time for me to leave the genre altogether. I love this guy, man. He's like, you know, uh, being born was rough. <laughs> that day was cold, and the doctor is uh, like, I'm too good at the piano. I've mastered that. I'm good at the horn. I've never heard, he's never played the horn. He's never done any of these things. I though. wonder if he knows if he's fucking with people on purpose or if he's just a lunatic. Honestly, I think he knows. I do. Uh, early 90s, Don's retired from music. He settled in Trinidad, California with his wife, Janet, and uh, he starts using a wheelchair because he's got progressing multiple sclerosis. Okay. Now, some of the Magic Band members were like, dude, you could tell that was happening back in the 70s. So, they're not surprised. 19- Maybe that's why he's banging on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> Just a twitch. That's where those eclectic rhythms come from. Uh, okay, so 1993, one of Don's last public appearances when it was in a short documentary, some yo-yo stuff, by Anton Corbijn. There's, Cor- a, there's Corbijn? a J in there. There's a J. Trust me. He's, he's German. Don reads poetry and philosophizes Bjorkman. about life. Is it Bjorkman? No, it's Bj- Bj- Corbijn. It's Bjorkman. Sure. Don died in a hospital in Arcata, California on Friday, December 17th, 2010, just one month shy of his 70th birthday due to complications of multiple sclerosis. Well, m- many sclerosis. December 19th, <clears throat> 2010, the Trout Mask Repula sells more than the Beatles and the Stones and Pink Floyd. Because that's like when he died. And you know how like the Michael oh, Jackson yeah. effect. Yeah. So, but. Yeah, Michael Jackson's 10th anniver- tenth, tenth anniversary of his Correct. death is coming up. Right. So people are going to be fawning over. Just a few months ago, we all hated them again. Now we're all love them again. Up and down. But yeah. uh, here's the funny thing about outselling uh, the Stones and the Beatles and Floyd, all that. The album wasn't even in stock. Where'd they get it? How'd it sell? Well, like at Amazon. You're like, sold out. And then they're like, notify me, pre-sale or whatever, post-sale. What year? 2010? 2010. Huh. We had Amazon back then? Yeah. All right. Quote from Don. Quote, when I see a dolphin... I know it's just as smart as me. Maybe it is, Don. Captain Beefheart, Don Van Vliet, everybody. He he didn't really do a lot of crap.
crime. Hey, he ran a small cult, which sort of caught my eye. And then, and then yeah. they got busted for shoplifting, which technically qualifies for our show. And he was just so weird. As soon as, it was, as, soon as he was like, I remember my birth, I'm like, yeah, this is the guy. We're, we're doing that because Ben's going to love all this weird shit. So I, I, I like going after I we do these podcasts. I learn a little something. I'm intrigued. And I sometimes I'll say, oh, I'm going to listen to their stuff. Like when I when did the Lilo. Yes. I didn't listen to any of her stuff. I didn't <laughs> care. I mean, I know her as a celebrity more than a musician. I don't really care about her musician. But like DMX, I heard all the I we all grew up listening to DMX. Oh yeah. But yeah. I went back and listened to old DMX and even my brother was a big DMX fan, so really? him and I, yeah, oh yeah, he liked DMX. Wow. I'm like, you know, DMX and uh, Limp Biscuit sang that song together. No, they didn't. So he popped it up, and they're like, oh shit, I guess he did. And so, you know, I listen. I don't know any of this stuff. I don't think. Nope. And Zappa had me as soon as that because I had a friend on uh, a guy I used to work with who was really big into Zappa. Uh, his kid. Oh. But yeah. Was into Zappa you huge. Can say that, That's that doesn't his... nail it. It's not one person. Whatever. You can say that. All right, yeah, that's true. There's only one name we can't say anymore. <laughs> the name that shall not be mentioned. Oh, she got so mad. We should say it right now. No, 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 no. I'm going to say it. We are now going to refer to this person as the name that cannot be mentioned because we did mention. Okay, we're now just talking about nothing now. So episodes ago, we may have told a story about a friend of ours, of uh, one of our, our good friends we grew up with, and she's – um. You're helping them narrow it down. Uh, well, whatever. Go back and listen. You'll find. And and she's a she's a teacher. Oh God, it's narrower. I know. And actually, not that much narrow. We got a lot of teacher friends. That's true. Yeah. And so, uh, she heard about it because her husband's a big fan of the show. He listens to everyone. And she was at my house the other night, and she's like, "Do not say my." I'm like, "We we bleep everything out. We don't. Uh, you wouldn't believe what you know, adolescent young." people will find and bother you with as a teacher and i'm like don't worry about it nobody listens to this show say my so name, now say my she's name. the name that shall not be mentioned lots of people have been listening to the show and i'd like to thank them right now i've got a couple of youtube comments i'm gonna read you because we've got some feedback <laughs> sorry that was Do you just turn the volume up for that that was louder than i intended to be honest i forget the volumes up and that's a that's a big one we got some youtube comments right here we got a youtube comment on our mindy mccready episode guy out a guy hamiltucky paranormal says i saw mindy mccready when she first started out opening for george Strait, and she was very beautiful in person she was i yep i yep i may, we may have been in the same room at that time possibly yeah. we got a guy on our moon the loon i'm keith moon episode number 11 uh gertrude perkins says greatest rock and roller of all time yeah, we drove. Hey, my kids and I drove by that old place where the Holiday Inn was at that he put the car in the pool. Oh, yeah? I told him the story. Nice. Yeah. And then we got some Lindsay Lohan comments. That one sort of got us on there. Lindsay Lohan comments here. What do we got? We got two. A tube for view says stinkiest diseased woman who ever lived leaves a line of horrible ooze from between her legs everywhere she walks. Yuck. Dump her into a lava pit. And, uh,. That's mean. This other guy, Farmer, says, leave Lindsay alone or I'll kill you. I'm on Farmer's side. You're on Farmer's side? Yeah, I'm on Farmer's side big time. All right. I like Lindsay Lohan. This is what the people think. (laughs) There's one up, one down, and we're doing good there. I can can have an opinion. You can. Everybody can have an opinion. If you'd like to share your opinion with us, let us hear it at crimeandmusic.com. That's a great way to get a hold of us in any social medias. That almost got to be one episode. I tried. I didn't mean to. All right. You got anything else? 
I don't know. No, uh, oh, really. wait, we do. We got more feedback. I have one here for you. We oh, got a speak we, pipe. Do we? No, we don't. We got many a speak pipe. Oh, yeah, maybe. Here's a speak pipe. Ben. Greetings from Rush Day 2019. I'm here with your friend, Benjamin T. Rupel, complete with cheesy potatoes and tube meats. I'll let Ben describe exactly what Rush Day is, but in its traditional form, we listen to every single Rush album from noon to midnight until they started to record a few new ones, but we do the best we can. Love the show. Keep up the good work. I'd love to hear some stories from Ben about his favorite Rush Day experiences of the past. Talk to you guys later. The multiple speak pipe in one speak pipe. Oh, okay, that was Ryan. Oh, this is a continuing. This is you. People can hear you in the background. <laughs> what the? We may have. I been. just wanted to say. Oh, oh, louder. Luke, I am your father. The name that shall not be mentioned is on speak pipe. She who shall not be named left to speak pipe. Amy, Amy. Ben's forcing speak pipe. This is her fellow bandmate. Hope all is well. Uh, is it still going? Yeah, you and uh, Ben, keep up the good work. Have your rush day, man. That was Greg. That's so. Bu- that's bullcrap. Greg, you should have said something about the sympathy for the devil. You and Ryan should have said something about that. And I want to say, Amy, you got in mind. Why are you picking <laughs> fights with people on speed pipe <laughs> we were with me? We were drunk, yeah. So, to recap, we used to have an annual festival, apparently I'm not invited to anymore, called Rush Day, as Ryan said. We would all gather up north, or even in, in people's driveways is how it started, just to play in Rush, and pay, basically a reason to drink all day. Yeah, no, it was... The Rush is We great. don't do Rush Day anymore. That was just a weekend that the neighbors came over. That was Ryan's Rush Day recap. What, what well, more do you want? I, I didn't even have Rush playing. I had a little tiny speaker in the house with Rush playing all day, like a tiny lit votive candle. I see. We didn't listen to Rush. The kids, and we were around a campfire for a minute, drinking some beers and doing whatever. And as for Ryan, if you want to know my favorite Rush story, I am not going to be telling that on the air. (laughs) The time you had to hide in the garage attic? That wasn't the favorite part of it. Time the fight broke out? There was no fighting. (laughs) The time, uh, no, you're right. I'm not telling it on the that, air. That's, <laughs> I almost got him, Ryan. I was trying. So, well, if you'd like to hear crazy stories like that, uh, particularly centered around musicians and their crimes in music or outside of the music world, uh, let us know. Hit us up with a speak pipe. Go to crimemusic.com. Check out the new website. It is officially up. It's got a cool bio page. Our blog page has, like, uh, all sorts of connectivity if you want to listen to the episodes. Sweet or photos of us. Bunch of cool photos. That's Super sweet. Check out our history coming up. A little bit more about our backgrounds. Don't steal my identity. That don't steal his. You can have mine. <laughs> I'll trade you identities. Actually, you know, I don't want somebody to steal. Let's trade. Trade identity. Trade. Yeah. Just swap. It's an identity swap. Yeah. Sure. All right. We'll be taking applications for the identity swap. Hit us up on social medias, and if you want to do anything else, uh, really, the website has it all now. Check it out, crimemusic.com. Like the song says, never trust a big butt and a smile. All right. Can I swap my identity with, like, a hot 25-year-old lesbian? I think so.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 